What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 15 of Rookie Mistakes. It is 2 a.m. on a Tuesday now, September 18th, and got to move to my new Airbnb in 10 hours or so. That's going to be fun. So far, it has been a very unproductive last week or so. I've been in quite the rut, so I thought I would talk about that because it is important, I think, to talk about the times when I am very unproductive and give an honest account of how things are going. I don't know why I've been in this rut the last week. I think it's probably a combination of things. I think on the one hand, being in Bangkok, it not being the most comfortable place, I just have a hard time with it. So I think that's discouraging me. And then yet add the fact that the Airbnb I'm staying at is pretty nice. So it really doesn't give me any motivation to go outside. So I've been literally stuck in this Airbnb the last week, not really going out. I don't even know if it's been a week. Maybe it's been five days at this point, but yeah, I've not been doing much. I haven't been eating the healthiest. I only eat once a day, which maybe isn't the best. And then yet to add the fact that I go to bed now at like four in the morning and wake up late I think that's just a recipe for a lot of laziness and unsuccess. I don't know why, like I said, I don't know why. I don't know what triggered it. I feel, I don't know. I think it's just being being comf- being comfortable and being safe in the Airbnb and not having to deal with the actual world maybe. So that could be it. Literally the past five nights, it's been ordering Indian food, pizza, Indian food, pizza, and then today again, Indian food. So it's just been a very uh, lazy time for me. This is quite the struggle too, trying to record a podcast when you haven't been really getting the best sleep and you feel like you just want to scream and rip your hair out. That's always fun, right? Just one of those one of those weeks. Um, as far as what I've been doing, like I said, I've been doing nothing, but I have been watching a lot of Netflix and finishing TV shows, so that's always nice to catch up on things because I haven't been able to much while traveling. Let's see, what have I watched so far? Okay, I finished Ozark Season 2. Recommend that. Just finished Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan today. That's an Amazon original with Jim from The Office for any Office watchers out there. That's a pretty good show too. I enjoyed that. Finished Killing Eve. That's a BBC spy thriller. It kind of feels like Atomic Blonde. I recommend that. It's got a interesting vibe to it. A very, I don't know, very European, like 80s European in Germany. I don't know if that's the best way of describing it. I think the best I could have done, which I should have just left at, was saying Atomic Blonde and should have been the end of that one. But of course I had to keep talking. Next, I'm halfway through Iron Fist. Can't go wrong with a Kung Fu TV show. So I'm enjoying that, even though it's not getting the best ratings. I watched the documentary Songwriter, which is... A documentary on Ed Sheeran's album, Divide. It was about him writing the songs for that album, which is his uh, latest album. That was interesting. I want to touch on a few points on that later in the episode. So I'll have to remember to do that. And then I watched the movie Ready Player One. 
absolutely amazing movie for anyone that doesn't know what it's about. It's where it's the future. People are essentially living their lives in a video game based in virtual reality instead of living in the actual world. Everything centered on that. There was tons of different pop culture references throughout the movie, whether it was movies or characters in movies or video game characters. It was very cool. I don't know how they were able to license all of the different things because it must have been a nightmare to do all of that. I've never seen so many references from other movie studios or from other um, just intellectual property in one movie. There was King Kong, Godzilla, the Back to the Future car was in it. There was references to Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I want to say. There was the Master and Command, Master Commander, um, or no, Ma- Master Commander, not Master Commander. I think it's Master Chief, right, in Halo. That was in it. Overwatch, the game was in it. StarCraft Two, one of the characters was in it. The Iron Giant, which was a good one. That's a classic movie, right, from my childhood. So that was in the movie as well. Just a lot of cool references in the movie. I think it was very thought-provoking because the movie might end up being reality. I can totally see the world heading in the direction that the movie laid out. I think people are really worried about AI and what that means for the future. I think people should be more worried about what virtual reality means for the future because I see that as a thing that's more likely to happen in the future. At least it's going to happen a lot earlier than the whole AI thing. It's really fascinating because with where the world is headed with technology, a lot of the jobs are basically being replaced by technology and we're eventually going to reach a point I would imagine where we're going to have to figure out as a society, whether that's the U S whether that's the world itself. If like, what are we going to do about all these people that don't have jobs or skills because they're being replaced by machines or by technology? Maybe that even means AI at some point. So I can totally see a world where people are just living in a virtual reality living in their lives. I see that because even think now a lot of people like to escape, right? Whether that's movies, social media, whatever it may be, people are always looking for an escape. That escape can be a virtual reality where you can be anything you want to be. It could definitely give you a purpose in your life, even if it's virtual and not real. So I could totally see a world where we're just all living in virtual reality. I could see jobs being created because of virtual reality, I can see an economy being centered around virtual reality, just like in the Ready Player One movie. Definitely check out that movie. It's a cool little idea for what the future might hold. I don't even know if that was the intention of the movie. Can't go wrong with Steven Spielberg. Great visuals in the movie. Really awesome to see the combination of all the different pop culture references. So definitely check out that movie if you're into the futuristic movies especially so i did all of that this week the only thing that i actually did where i went outside i think i went outside twice this week (laughs) yeah i think i went outside twice and one of the times was to go to my first muay thai class that was a very challenging class very great also because i was able to 
really getting understand get an understanding of just how vulnerable I am in relation to what people are capable in the world. Went to the class. It started off with a 15-minute run and then a 15-minute jump roping session. I was pretty worried before the class because I haven't really worked out in uh, seven months since I've been traveling. All I've really been doing is walking which is surprisingly a better workout than you would think because I pretty much held my own the entire class. I was very surprised that I wasn't in as bad of a shape as I thought I would be. I wanted to uh, test myself with the, the jumping rope. I tried to do it for the full 15 minutes without stopping, but it was getting really difficult. So about seven minutes into doing it, my goal just became to outlast everyone else was able to outlast the two girls in the class, but then there's this guy still. And I hadn't noticed that he had stopped yet, so I assumed that he was still going. And I literally kept looking at him, and it was like we were going to war, baby. He didn't know about it, but I was challenging him, and we were battling to to the death. He finally stopped, and I won in my head. So moral victory to Connor. Yay for me. I was able to make it until the four minute mark. So I jumped rope without stopping for 11 minutes. Really impressed myself, to be honest, because I've never done that before. I don't know why I'm obsessed with all these different challenges now. I'm just constantly looking to challenge myself. I don't know. I think it's because I just have an overall sense that I'm not tough. I don't know if that's even the word tough. I don't know. I just feel like I constantly need to challenge myself to prove something to myself, maybe, And so I'm always looking for ways to do that now. And so I just decided to do that with the jumping rope, which wasn't the best idea because that lactate acid buildup baby doing that was not fun, especially when you're doing it at the beginning of a workout. So finished jumping rope. Then we went into the pad work where I learned how to kick and throw elbows, all that good stuff. That sucked because 10 minutes into doing that, I got two beautiful, huge blisters on the bottom of my left and right big toe. It's crazy because... The blisters are identical in the same spot, same shit, same blah, 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 blah. I can't speak. Sorry. It's late. They're the same shape and in the same spot on both sides. I don't understand how that's possible, but they are. That sucked. Had to put the socks back on and deal with that the rest of the workout. After we did the pads, we worked on the heavy bags. Then we did light sparring which was an actual fighting. It was just blocking and throwing kicks, just practicing that with a partner. And then we did heavy bag technique, like working on knees and throwing kicks. Then we did a little mini workout at the end. A couple of thoughts from that experience. As I mentioned before, I learned about how vulnerable I actually am in the world. During the light sparring, I didn't have a partner because there was an odd number of people in the class. So me awkwardly standing around wondering what I'm going to do. I was given a actual Muay Thai fighter to spar with. The great thing about that was that the kid was 12 years old, maybe 13 at the most. It was a very enlightening experience to me because as I was sparring with this kid, we're just lightly kicking each other back and forth and I'm blocking, he's blocking. But when things weren't landing in the spot that they should, right, whether I was kicking him in the arm or the elbow or like in the knee or the shin, I could really feel just how different his bones were (laughs) compared to mine. 
It was like his bones were made of armor and my bones were just bones. You could really feel the hardness of his shins and how sharp his elbows were and his knees. It was very easy to tell that he could probably kill me. I don't know if I want to go that far, but he could probably beat me up pretty easily, which is crazy, right? Because he's half my age, but it doesn't matter. He could literally just take me to school and do whatever he wanted to me because of how one skilled of a fighter he probably was, but two, he would probably was able to get hit himself and take damage. And then three, he had some weapons, man, like those elbows and those knees. That's those are actual weapons with how hard and sharp they are. I think that is a great experience, especially that you'll get from any type of martial art. I think if you are someone that thinks they're God's gift to the world, if you are the bee's knees or you think you are the cat's pajamas, as Jack Black said in one of my favorite movies, School of Rock, if you just think y'all, if your stuff don't stank, right? I definitely recommend for you to go live in Thailand for a month and train in Muay Thai because that will be a nice big slice. I wouldn't even say a slice. It'd be a whole entire humble pie, not a slice of humble pie. It would be the entire humble pie that you would be eating doing Muay Thai. For whatever reason, males have this whole macho thing about being tough and trying to front to people like you're a tough guy, trying to be violent, whatever. You see it in social media. You see it at bars. You see people fighting or just threatening to fight. And I think it's important to actually have a healthy sense of where you stand in the totem pole of life. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't feel bad admitting that I'm not a freaking killer. I'm not like one of the tough guys that's going to beat up anyone. But I think that's important because it's very humbling and it's a very, um, it's a very healthy thing to know because it gives you, I think, an accurate sense of your capabilities one but two it just it's like an ego check right it it gives you it's it's good feedback on where you stand like i've said it's good feedback where you stand in the world one of the great things about fighting that i find so intriguing is that fighters generally come from backgrounds of poverty because of that fighting is really only the way that they have out of whatever situation they're in so that creates a hunger and a certain intensity and I think aggression in someone that doesn't exist in someone that doesn't come from a background. So looking at myself, right? Comparing myself, let's just say to this 12-year-old Muay Thai fighter that I did light sparring with. If you look at my background, born in Los Angeles, right? One of the most privileged places on the earth. Born there, born into a, you know household parents together didn't have a rough upbringing as far as like knowing knowing when my next meal is going to come or having to deal with any type of like gang violence whatever it may be drugs none of that it didn't have any of that and then you look at this Muay Thai fighter this kid who not even looking at his family background but just like the place where he comes from where being a fighter is really your only way out of 
traditional trajectory of life in Thailand, right? And that's why Muay Thai is so popular there is because it's a way out for people. It's a way to make something of yourself. And so with that comes, like I said, a hunger. And it, I think it instills something in a person that you can't really fake where you can't really, I don't know if you can really develop it. I don't know. It's just if also looking, just look in general at like trust fund kids, right? They generally aren't successful because they've had everything handed to them their whole lives. And there's not that hunger most of the time for success, or they don't have that feeling of whether it's fearing for your life or not having someone there supporting you or wondering where your next meal is going to come from, right? They'd have never experienced that. So it's almost like, I don't know. It's almost like you're at a disadvantage in that regard. It's like you have every advantage in the world, except for the advantage of having that hunger, having that fire in you, having that desire to be the best or be successful or having the willingness to go to places that someone else isn't willing to go who hasn't had the same experience as you. So I just thought that was a very nice thing to experience at this Muay Thai class because I mean it's something I was kind of aware of in terms of all what I just said but the whole idea of knowing your place in the totem pole knowing your place on the food chain especially when it comes to a freaking 12 year old kid right like none of that matters it's it's just all about it's just all about I think your upbringing and like where what you've what you've trained or what you've done with your life. And in th- this case, this kid's been training to be a freaking killer essentially for probably since he was five years old. Another thing to compare that to is when I talked about the last episode about the Muay Thai fight I went to, how intense it was and the aggression that these fighters fought with. I just, me personally, I don't have that in me, I don't think, because of my upbringing. Like, I'm another thing is you're when you're generally educated, you're like aware of consequences, right? And you can't, you have options. So you don't have to take the risks and deal with potential consequences. So in the case of fighting, that's like your health. And when you're a fighter though, your health is kind of an afterthought because you're, like I said, you're more concerned with survival. You're more concerned with making money, right? Making a name for yourself. So even though these fighters, you're watching them and they're absolutely destroying each other, they're elbowing each other in the face, they're hitting each other, they're bleeding everywhere. There's potential concussions. There's potential CTE as they call it, which is like just brain damage is the medical term for it, um, CTE. But I don't even think they're aware of that. And even if they were aware of it, I don't think they care because they can't care. Whereas me, I am aware of it and I care. And so I think I'm just, there's like a fear there of I'm aware of consequences. So I just can't get to a level that they can get to. So it would be stupid of me to fight. And I think that's just a good lesson for anyone, especially if you're thinking of being a fighter. It's important to know where someone comes from and know what someone's capable of in comparison to yourself. And I think it's like a level of self-awareness. Like I've, I've boxed before also, and I've actually sparred three times, I think, boxing. And it was one of the most terrifying experiences for me. I was completely afraid because I didn't want to get hit in the head because I knew, and maybe it was just a little bit, maybe I was being a little bit oversensitive or a little bit dramatic, but I was just thinking about how just getting hit in the head once, like, oh my God, I don't want to get hit in the head. What if that's going to give me like brain damage, right? Like that was constantly on my mind of not getting hit in the head. And so there's, 
you fight with a like a passiveness or you're not as intense and you kind of hesitate when you're feeling that way and so it's just a scary thing to do or was a scary thing for me to do and i i just remember that i i remember that feeling very distinctly and i think all these things I think all these things are really good experiences to have, especially as a uh, male, because like I said, humble pie baby, and it just gives you a good understanding of what other people are capable of and what you're capable of. And like I said before, it's all right to not be like these fighters. I think that's another thing people try and be fighters. or think it would be cool to be a fighter is when they freaking don't come from the same background as them. Completely different animal, man. Completely different animal. So that was very great. I think I'm probably going to go back on Wednesday. My poor little feet have healed up enough. The skin's grown back. So kudos to that. But I'm sure they're going to rip up again. Once I go, I'll definitely tape them up. Hopefully that helps. We will see. The next thing I wanted to talk about, just another great example of... A person who's overcome so much in their life really blows my mind, this guy's story. So last Saturday, there was a boxing match, Triple G Gennady Golovkin versus Canelo Alvarez. Spoiler alert, at this point, I think if you actually care, you should already know, but Gennady Golovkin lost. The reason why I wanted to bring him up was because I think he is a great example of a lot of things. And I, he, he, he kind of, to me, is a cautionary tale in the sense of missed opportunity. And I don't even think it's his fault, but he's just, it's just a sad story to me because he's clearly one of the greatest boxers ever as a middleweight. But there's been so many things that have happened to him where if things just went the better way for him, it would just, it would be crazy to think about where he would be today instead of where he's actually at if that makes any sense so he grew up in Kazakhstan which back when he was growing up was controlled by the Soviet Russia so I think it was called Kazakh back then he had three brothers two older brothers and then a twin brother Max his two older brothers convinced him and Max to start boxing when they were eight years old and the two brothers older brothers ended up joining the Soviet army Both were killed, so there's that. At a young age, his brothers are killed. They're the ones that got him into the boxing, so you have that whole tragedy and that just sad story to paint the picture of his youth. Him and his brother box growing up. They're both really, really good, and it gets to the point where they have the opportunity to go to the Olympics in 2004. Athens is where the Olympics are being held, Only one of them can qualify to be the person that represents Kazakhstan as the middleweight boxer. They don't want to fight each other. I mean, you can imagine that because they're brothers. Max decides to let Gennady go to the Olympics because Gennady's 15 minutes older than him, which I I think that's just crazy to think about the idea that you're so selfless just because the brother's older than you. Not even that much older than you, right? He's 15 minutes older than him, and that's what decides who goes to the Olympics. So Gennady goes to the Olympics. Max essentially is giving up his dream at that point of becoming a professional boxer 
to take care of the family while Gennady is pursuing the dream of becoming a pro boxer. Absolutely selfless. Crazy that that happened. Gennady actually has even said in interviews how he feels like his brother is a better boxer than him too. So Gennady goes to the Olympics in Athens, ends up going to the finals and faces this Russian guy. Loses the fight. Pretty controversial. If you go back and watch it, the Russian guy was doing a lot of illegal stuff. It looked like he was more wrestling him than boxing him. And Gennady actually came out two years ago in an article saying how an official during that Olympics, before their gold medal match, the official told Gennady how Kazakhstan was only going to have one gold medal in boxing, and that was it. So essentially, Gennady wasn't going to get a gold medal no matter what he did in that fight because it was already being given to someone else, I guess. Imagine that then, knowing that you're not getting a gold medal... Regardless of what you do, I guess, unless you knock the guy out, which never happens in amateur boxing, and you still go out there and you try and win. If you watch the fight, he clearly is trying to win still. I just can't even imagine what that would be like, literally being told you're not winning. It's almost like it should be in a movie or something. And I don't know if that's actually true or not. There's not much on it, but it is something he said. And I do tend to believe everything that Gennady says because he is not a, if you know him, he's not one for theatrics. He's not one for lying. He's very matter of fact. And I think an honest person. So I believe him. So that happens. Ends up having a great amateur career. He ends up going 345 and five as an amateur boxer. Imagine that 350 fights. You only lost five. That's absolutely insane. So that happens. He signs a deal with a German fight promotion in 2005 after the end of his amateur boxing career. Ends up being like a really great prospect on the world level, but he never really gets to fight any legitimate uh, boxers. Two of the fighters that are in, like under the same promotion as him are the ones that are widely promoted and the champions and Gennady is never given the opportunity to fight them even though he wants to fight them. And he just felt overall like the boxing promotion really never did anything to promote him as a prospect and they never really gave him like the fights that he should be getting. So he ended up wasting, I want to say, five or six years of his prime just kind of being jerked around in Europe. Finally is able to start fighting in the U.S. He is kind of known, right, as an underground fighter, known for his his knockout power and as being a great fighter, but he's not, like, really well-known in the U.S. yet. So he ends up making his U.S. debut in 2012. So at this point in 2012, he is 30 years old, which is absolutely insane to be making your debut in the U.S. at 30, right? That right there... Like, it's almost like he wasted a lot of his prime missing out on, like, the really big money fights and making a name for himself against the best fighters in the world. That happens. He's finally in the U.S. He is having success, but he's not able to fight the best fighters in his uh, weight class because they're ducking him. That's a common thing in boxing where you basically continue to duck the best fighters or you'll wait until someone's heading out the door where they're getting older, right? And so you fight them 
when they're a slower fighter or they're like losing power, things like that. That's something that Floyd Mayweather was very good at. If you look at his record, he's fought a lot of the best boxers in the history of boxing, but he fought a lot of them, or most of them, I should say, when they're on the way out, when they're older, when they're out of their prime, when they weren't the best. And that's like a tactic they use. So sure, he beat them, but it wasn't like he was facing those fighters in the prime. And so that's what was basically, I think, happening to Gennady to where he wasn't fighting the best. So, I mean, he's clearly, though, dominating the middleweight division. He's beating everyone. He's knocking everyone freaking out. He is clearly getting older now also because, like I said, he started when he was 30. Towards the 2015 to 16 range, he's finally able to start fighting bigger name fighters that are giving him more of a reason to be called the like the best middleweight in the world, right? Because he's actually fighting the better guys now. But as he's fighting these better guys, he's not necessarily dominating them like he was dominating everyone before where he was able to build his name for knocking out all these fighters that's how he became so popular because there was all these vicious knockouts that he would have in his fights right where he would just like literally hit someone and they just wouldn't get up and it would happen in like the first round and things like that he was picking people out basically in his fights so as time goes on right he's not he's kind of showing that he's human and a lot of people speculate well one maybe it could just be because he's getting older at this point in 2016, he's 34, which is pretty, I mean, I guess that's pretty old for a boxer. That's definitely like going outside your prime and you're starting to see the effects of age. So there's that idea. And then there's the other idea. Well, maybe because he's fighting the best fighters now, maybe it's actually showing that he's not as good as we all thought he was. So at this point in 2017, he's still undefeated. He has a 38 and O record at this point with 34 knockouts. He's finally able to fight Canelo Alvarez in 2017, who's widely considered to be one of the best boxers in the world. He and Triple G are kind of neck and neck for who's the, the best boxer, right? And Canelo is a younger guy. He is a Mexican boxer. He's 28 currently. And so there's a lot of drama with that, where that fight is kind of always being talked about, but it has never been made. And then Canelo finally fights him once again people feel like he was kind of ducking triple g to where he was just waiting for him to kind of get older and older so he'd have an easier time fighting him so they finally fight in 2017 triple g is widely considered to be the one who won the fight but the judges give a controversial decision and the fight ends up going to a draw one of the judges gave such a bad decision that it was just so unrealistic, which is why there is such controversy. So he gets kind of screwed over Triple G. He needs to beat Canelo for his legacy to be solidified because a lot of people question whether or not he's either the greatest or one of the greatest middleweights of all time because they just feel like he hasn't fought the best people, which isn't really his fault because one, you're kind of a enslaved to the era you come from like whatever is available to you is what you have to deal with and if there is aren't the best boxers then what are you going to do and then on the other hand the people are ducking him and won't fight him so what is he going to do there so ends up keeping his belts because it goes to a draw so he's got three belts triple g's dream he says is to is to uh combine all four belts and boxing, it's weird. There's all these different um, like organizations. So there's all these different belts. And so he wants to unify the to become the middleweight champion holding all four belts. He has three of them. 
I think he had to vacate one of them to fight Canelo. So he has two at this point going into the rematch. The rematch is scheduled for May of 2018. In March of 2018, Canelo tests positive for performance-enhancing drugs. So there's all that drama. And then everyone's kind of thinking that Canelo's been on performance-enhancing drugs his whole career, possibly. I don't know. So there's drama with that. The The fight finally gets rescheduled for September of... 2018 which is what happened on last saturday night and triple g lost the fight it was a very close fight i think triple g clearly won once again everyone felt like he got robbed everyone had triple g winning for the most part like the majority was definitely triple g but of course he lost because boxing is really corrupt you have to understand in boxing whoever has the bigger name, whoever brings the most money, whoever has the biggest draw, whoever's the younger fighter, the more marketable fighter, that person is always going to take precedent with the athletic commission or like the promotion because they want that person to win because that person will bring in more money. Right. And so Canelo being from Mexico, being such a big name fighter, being the younger fighter, triple G being the older fighter, basically in these two fights, Unless Triple G was able to knock Canelo out, he was probably going to lose because they want Canelo to win. And so, yes, the fight was a lot closer, but most people thought at the most the fight should have been a draw again. But two of the judges gave Canelo the fight. One gave one judge gave it as a draw again. The judges actually give pretty realistic good scorecards, so you can't really complain about it being a complete robbery a lot of people do feel like a rob it was a robbery i feel like triple g got screwed and that is now the end to his triple g's reign he's now 38 one and one he doesn't have any of his belts he's 36 if he is to rematch canelo he has no leverage so he's gonna have to you know take bad money as far as the split goes he's gonna have to just kind of do what canelo wants and then you have all the judges and just kind of everything going in Canelo's favor, it's like, what's even the point? Because if I don't knock him out, plus I'm getting older, then if he does end up winning again, let's say Triple G wins, right? Let's say it's one and one at this point. Then they're going to have to fight again to see who is, you know, who's going to like take the best of three, basically. And Triple G at that point would be 38, most likely. So it's just not looking good for Triple G. He is definitely a story of circumstance. Just nothing went in his favor. He kind of got screwed, it seems like, left and right throughout his career. And kind of the lessons I take away from him specifically are, one, he's been a, he's been so widely considered like such a, such a big name because of his knockout power. And that's what he was known for. It's almost been a detriment to him these last four fights because People are so quick to say that he's like, maybe he's not as good of a fighter as we all thought, or maybe he's just aging and showing his age because he's not knocking people out. He's not destroying them. And to me, that should show that he's even greater of a boxer than we thought because people think like see it as a weakness that he has to win fights in different ways, like by actually going to decisions, right? And doing the whole fight and not relying on his knockout power. I think that should be like a compliment to him as a boxer because he's showing different ways to win. So I don't know why he gets so much heat for that. So there's that. And then also 
I would just love for there to be an interview with him. Maybe I'll get to do it one day. That would be so awesome. That would actually be my dream is to interview him and talk about all this that has happened to him, all this stuff that has happened to him. Because once again, it goes to the idea of continuing to push forward and not giving up. I mean, clearly he's a very wealthy guy. He's had a lot of success, but he hasn't, I think, reached the pinnacle of what he wants to accomplish. And then at the same time, there's that what if or what could have been with him if all these different things didn't happen to him. So I would be really curious about his mindset to be able to continue to kind of go against the odds. It seems like everything's always not in his favor and he still is able to perform or do a, a, a good job, especially with these last two Canelo fights. I can't imagine, like even going, once again, it's kind of like the theme with the Olympic boxing. It's like, it's almost like he probably had the thought in the back of his mind that I'm not going to win these fights unless I knock him out. And so you're fighting him and you're not knocking him out and you're maybe struggling to figure out the fighter, right? And you still have to keep your composure and keep fighting and keep trying to find a way, even though you know you're probably not going to win. It's just so crazy to me, man. The, the mental fortitude, and maybe that's just the whole Soviet Russia mentality, right? You kind of just accept your life for what it is and you try and do your best. But I just think there's so much that can be taken away from his story. Definitely look into him. He is a great example of once again, what's possible. And I think it's just a, just a, he's just a very honorable, I think good person. Like he's just a great example of what you should strive to be soft-spoken, you know, has a family, is not like an idiot, doesn't do stupid stuff, speaks four languages. It's just like a, just a good dude, man. I really feel, I really feel bummed out for him. I, I can't imagine what must be going through his head now that he's lost his belts too, because his, like I said, his dream was to win all four belts and unify them. And now it's probably not going to happen. So I don't know if he retires from this point or if he tries to hold on. It seems like athletes going towards the end of their career, they always try and hold on for as long as they can and they end up going out on a bad note. So hopefully that doesn't happen with him. We shall see. That would be crazy if he was able to beat Canelo, maybe if he fought him again. Like when he's 37, I just can't, I can't imagine. Absolutely insane. So that's boxing. That's just another reason not to watch boxing. Boxing's so freaking corrupt. It really is... It leaves like a sour taste in my freaking mouth. It sucks. So there's Triple G. The last thing I wanted to talk about was good old John Mayer. We're taking a complete 180. Don't really hear from John Mayer anymore, but lately he's there's been a lot of interviews in 2018 about him. He's kind of bringing his face back into the spotlight. And for those that don't know, John Mayer, one of the really successful artists during his reign. And then in 2006, a bunch of interviews came out most notably the Playboy interview where he pretty much just came off as a misogynist and said a lot of controversial things towards women, I believe was the main reasons for why he lost all of his popularity and kind of fell off the face of the earth. So there was all that. And then now that he's back, there's been a lot of interviews, just him reflecting on all of that, which were very insightful interviews. I think if you're trying to be a musician or an artist, writer, actor, something in social media, whatever it may be, I think they're must listen to interviews. You can go on YouTube and watch them. The first one is if you just type in John Mayer and then ego 
maniac recover or no recovered ego addict yes John Mayer recovered ego addict is one of the interviews and then the one I recommend most if you're just going to listen to one is John Mayer new light premiere type in that on YouTube and then the other interview is John Mayer interview on the Bobby Bones show so those are all amazing interviews the most in-depth one is the new light premiere one because it's an hour long there is so much good information in these interviews. So I just wanted to touch on some of the things that he talked about. In the Recovered Ego Addict interview, he talked about how, for him, he achieved success at such a rapid rate that he was bound to fall off a cliff metaphorically. He said that he wasn't going to be a person that did a bunch of drugs and had to go to rehab or he wasn't going to become an alcoholic or he wasn't going to crash his car into a tree, right? He wasn't going to self-destruct that way. He said for him, he was going to self-destruct like in a more, I don't know, he kind of used more, he kind of kept saying like intelligent in a more intelligent way. But I think what he basically meant was that he talked about how the image of what people thought he was or like the character that people thought he was, he kind of started to play into that he started to play into that more and more and that became who he was and he was trying to be something that he wasn't and lost touch with reality and wasn't being true to himself so that's what kind of led to the whole interview with playboy and all the interviews to follow that so all that happened right and he talks about then so what did he learn from all of that He knows, he says that he is an ego addict. He's very susceptible to approval. And he says how that's always still there. But now, because he can admit that he has a problem with it, he's able to control it, which he does by living in LA and then also living in Montana. So it's like he kind of just goes back and forth between LA and Montana and Montana is good for him because it's gives him the ability to have an outside perspective and he's not in the bubble of LA where he's getting sucked into all of the things that LA brings as a famous person. He talked about then how today, which I thought was interesting, he talked about how musicians today are very self-aware and very self-conscious of what other people think and it's almost as if they're performing for other people and while they're performing they're judging their performance themselves they he thinks that they're performing more for the social media love and more for the twitter mentions uh, rather than performing for themselves and what that meant to me was more like they're being safe and they're doing what's successful they're not really challenging themselves they're trying to find a new sound or anything like that i think that's especially true as musicians is a lot of people they'll just stick to what's popular and what's mainstream and they won't really try and develop new sounds it's very rare like taylor swift is a good example where she transitioned to country to pop and she had a successful transition but most of the time artists don't really do that because there's the safety in doing what's popular because then they don't have to deal with the outrage of fans when they don't like the new things that people are creating. And then what I thought also, which was insightful on his part, was he was saying how 
it used to really bother him because he felt like he was doing the same thing as a different artist, but that artist might be more popular, even though it's the same thing. The example he used was if me and Kanye West both saved a cat from a burning building, Kanye is going to be like Kanye is going to have more popularity from that because of whatever reasons, but he's just a more popular figure. And so I think that he was, I think that could just be applied. Like I said, to artists in general is you might be doing the same thing as someone else, but because they're more marketable or more liked, they're going to get recognition for it when, and you're really not, which I think is relatable and really anything because think about any time when you have had, maybe it's even like a rival. It's like, you're doing the same thing as them and you're not being acknowledged for it. Or maybe you're even better than them, but you're not being acknowledged for it. It really does come down to, marketability when you really think about it especially in music there's so many more talented people out there think about all the people on all these different shows whether it's what america's got talent you have american idol the voice there's so many more talented people but it's not really necessarily about the talent all the time it's sometimes about the marketability baby so that he said how he's just able to accept now the fact that people might be more popular than him, even though they're doing exactly the same thing, basically. And then the last thing he talked about in that interview was just about success and the fact that with success now there comes hatred. So even if you're really successful, you're still going to get a lot of hate. But that was a pretty good point. All the trolls out there these days, man, it's it's a tough life. It's a hard life out there for a pimp. So that was that interview. Then the hour-long interview, the New Light interview, that one was a lot about, like a lot of the topics that were covered in the interview I just talked about were covered again in this interview. So I'm not really going to go over that again, but I will just touch on some points that I thought were interesting. He talks about how he's was misunderstood, he felt, and I think this is a great insight into just how art or anything you're trying to create how it could be misinterpreted so he talked about being misunderstood and this kind of goes to mainstream popularity versus more artistic things if you take music for example everything today think about how it's all very poppy and there's not very much depth or things going on within the music but it's popular and i think it's popular because it's more easy to understand and it's more easy to relate to also think about movies action movies the big superhero movies it's really easy to understand because it's basic themes and there's not really complicated material there's not huge character arcs there's not a lot of literary devices happening in a movie like a like a an iron man movie right but if you look at a more artistic or more i guess like for lack of a better word like a deeper movie more more of an indie movie or a, a film festival movie those movies generally aren't very entertaining and they're not popular because it's harder to understand them and even if you do understand them maybe you understand it in a way that is actually like incorrect and you're misinterpreting what the movie is actually about so there's all these different levels and what john said is he learned to be more direct and more focused in his approach to his music and get more to the point so instead of being 
I just, I think the best way of putting it, instead of being an artist and I'm doing air quotes, right? Instead of trying to be artsy fartsy, it's like being more, whether that's more relatable or having a message that more people can understand. One of the examples the the uh, interviewer brought up was Donald Glover, Childish Gambino. Donald talked about how he always felt like he was being misunderstood. And that is just, I think, something that comes along with the territory when you're someone that is a very, um, I guess, influential figure and someone that has a lot to offer in terms of whatever it is that you're doing. The word that they used for him was a polymath, which I think is someone that's just good at a lot of different things or has a lot of different interests. It's also then about staying true to who you are. And one of the questions John brought up was how do you reconcile the music you love with the music you make and that was something he said he struggled with is there's all this music out there that he think is he thinks is really cool and he thinks it's a lot cooler than this the stuff he makes but then it's a question of where's the line to where you say that you don't do that so what that means to me and you can apply that to anything is you have all these influences you have all these things that inspire you, you have all these things that you think are really cool you think they're fun interesting motivating maybe you think all that and maybe that's motivation for you to want to do it but you have to ask yourself well is that actually who I am is that actually what I do is that what I'm good at is that even though I like it is that who I am and he thinks that artists these days are so obsessed with trying to do the cool thing that they forget to be themselves he said at a certain age you say to yourself if i want to be something different i'm going to have to wait until my next life it's hard to tell yourself where the hunger needs to go away and where it doesn't where to put your energy everyone wants to do everything so that all just goes i mean all this goes along the idea of being true to yourself and knowing what you're good at and sticking to those things and not trying to be someone that you're not It's funny because you hear these ideas everywhere, right? You hear them. I mean, I personally, I I hear it and I know it to be true, but it's almost as if it doesn't matter because do I really know that that's how it is, right? I, I, I came up with a, I think an idea to kind of encompass everything here, which is a question of, do you have to climb the mountain to see the view at the top to appreciate the view at the bottom? To me, what that means is, do I need to experience everything in order to appreciate what I had all along? I don't, I don't know. I think that can be I think that can be applied to anything in life, right? Like that's part of the reason why I started traveling was I didn't want to, I mean, to a degree, I thought like my life kind of sucked, right? And I wanted to travel and have new experiences. And I felt like being in Los Angeles my whole life, I, it was kind of depressing to me because how could I just be one place my entire life and not see anywhere else? What if there are places better than Los Angeles? What if Los Angeles isn't the end-all be-all of the world? What if there's somewhere else I'd like to live? And in my heart of hearts, I always felt like Los Angeles for me was going to be the place that I would always live. But there was always that doubt, well, what if it isn't? And so I needed to travel. And like I said, that was only part of the reason. But I needed to travel in order to find that out for myself. And I mean, so far, I can tell you that in my, what, almost seven months of travel, Los Angeles is in fact the place that I 
still want to end up and live. And I was correct in my thinking before I started traveling that Los Angeles was the place for me, right? I could never be at peace with that thought unless I actually traveled. And I think that is what John has experienced with everything that's happened to him in the beginning of his career. And he also talked about how he feels like everyone kind of needs to go through that in their own way to where they have that huge rise and they kind of have the fall because it, then it's able, they're able to gain perspective on it and then appreciate and kind of see what actually really matters. So that's all of that. I thought that, that, that was, that was such a good one. At a certain age, you say to yourself, if I want to be something different, I'm going to have to wait until my next life. I love that. That's so, so true. The last thing they talked about, which I kind of just want to briefly go over was social media. They said how social media is a place, and this is Instagram specifically, you see a person's ambition every single morning, you're drawn into someone's life, and then you're constantly reflecting on your own sense of achievement in comparison to that person's life. That's essentially what's happening for a lot of people, I think, with social media. That's what they said. I totally agree with that. I see that in myself. And then he said, do you, don't worry about the feeling of everyone else's ambition drowning you out. I really struggle with that myself because I feel like I need to be doing what other people are doing. It's very interesting. It's like a trap I get caught in. I'll be on social media, whether that's Instagram or YouTube, and I'll be watching something. And this goes, this literally goes back to everything I just said and everything that, that was said in this interview. Like I'll, I'll be watching a video, right? Or I'll be looking at something like a photo on Instagram and I'll be thinking how amazing that is and how cool it is. And I'm falling into this trap as I'm watching it of like, this is what I need to be doing, right? But then after I'm done watching it, I kind of feel bad about myself because I, I just know that I like that's not me and I can't do it. And I don't even want to do it necessarily, but it's like, I'm not okay with not wanting to do it. It's really weird. It's a really weird feeling. It's like, it's, that's kind of what the, it's, it's the pull of social media. It it makes you, it's almost like it makes you question if your path is the right path and it makes you think, well, I need to be doing other things also. And that seems to be in general, just how the world works today. When you look on social media, it seems like everyone's doing everything. Everyone wants to do everything. Everyone wants to freaking have a cookbook. Everyone wants to open a restaurant. Everyone wants to be on a model on social media. Everyone wants to have their own business and be an entrepreneur. Everyone wants to have a song out, that new hot song or have a rap song. Everyone is doing everything and it's constantly being sold to you and it's constantly being shown on social media. It seems like everyone these days is selling passion on Instagram. You're not actually selling, you're not selling your skill. You're selling your passion and your ambition towards a skill that you might not actually have. It's so focused on that, the passion and the ambition. It's not really focused on the self analysis of whether or not you're actually good at the thing you're promoting or doing. It's just so, or it's like people like fronting being an entrepreneur, but they have no experience of actually being an entrepreneur or someone being a self-help person when they don't actually really have any self-help experience. There's just a lot of people out there that are, they're selling something, they're talking the talk without actually having walk the walk. And there isn't enough, I don't think there's enough light being shown on that where 
you're really asking yourself, have you learned enough? Are you practiced enough in the thing that you're doing? John said in the interview, once again, passion is like the product instead of the product being for him sitting in a room six hours a day, working on his craft, working on learning the guitar, singing, cultivating his voice, right? Passion was the fuel. It wasn't the product. But now it's like, it's just all about passion. Passion's what's being shown on Instagram. So that was a very good interview. Like I said, one of the best I've ever listened to. Really quickly, Ed Sheeran, I said I'd mentioned that really fast. Two things he said in his documentary. One of the things he was talking at a at the high school that he went to, he was talking to kids in the music class and he was talking about songwriting and how for him, songwriting was like turning on a water where dirty water was coming out, turning on a water. Is that what I said? Turning on a faucet and how dirty water would initially come out of the faucet. And then as you leave the faucet on, eventually it's cleaner water with just a little bit of dirt in it. And then eventually it's just all clear, clean water That's how he described the song process, which basically means you have to get through all the bad to get to the good. And I think that can be applied to everything you're trying to do in life is you have to keep doing it and keep trying and give yourself the opportunity to get at good at it because you learn from all the mistakes and all the kind of the cringy bad things that you're creating. Right. And that's once again, people don't try long enough to, to, to get to those good points. And that's just, I think, success overall. What we've talked about in plenty of episodes in the past is giving yourself the opportunity to actually be good. And that goes to show Ed Sheeran saying it right. He said how he was a terrible songwriter when he started out. He was a terrible singer. If you actually go listen to him sing when he was a kid, go look that up. Listen to Ed Sheeran singing when he was a child, when he was a young lad. He sounds absolutely awful. And now look at him. He's one of the most talented people. I think personally he is the most talented artist today. Has an amazing voice. The voice on his albums is actually the voice you get in concert And the things that he can do with a guitar and all of his songs that he writes, all the songs he's written for other people, think if he hadn't gone through all those times, right, of where he was writing bad songs and just getting out the crap, basically, where he was had the terrible singing voice, but he was able to develop that and get better at that. I think he's a really good example of what you can become because he specifically said he doesn't believe that he was talented he just worked really hard and people always would say oh it must have been nice being really talented right and he would say vehemently how he wasn't talented and he really had to cultivate the skills to be where he is today but yeah i think that is going to be the end of the episode then this one was a long one so we'll get out of here thank you for listening hope everyone has a wonderful week it is currently three in the morning so yeah definitely uh definitely should go to sleep now after i put this bad boy up if you enjoyed the podcast please 
subscribe and leave a review. That would be wonderful. I would love you all forever. My email is conjayhancock at gmail.com. Instagram is conjayhancock. I will see you all next week. Hopefully I don't get beat up by any 12-year-olds in the coming week, and I will be here. So, yeah. See you guys.